everybody, and uh, we are live today with uh, the American Israelite podcast, Let There Be Light podcast. I am here, uh, one of your hosts, and actually I'm out of uh, sync because it's, I'm, I've been gone for a week, and uh, so it's like getting back into the rhythm of everything. But I'm here with my co-host, Julie Babs Bernstein-Brook, and we have a special guest today, and his name is... Aubrey Herman. Aubrey Herman, so, and together with Ted Deutsch... Uh, it is today, Wednesday, October 28th. It is the 10th of Shezvan. Heshvan. Heshvan. It's good that we have Ted you here. Heshvan. <laughs> 5781. Yep, and yep. Uh, our first article today is about Jewish family service, which we know had an incredible, incredible well, I food drive. I want to put that on hold for one minute because I want to talk about Aubrey a little bit, who our special guest. People don't, we don't know who he is. We should talk about him a little bit. Tell us who you are. Who am I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who, who are you? Who doesn't know the name right. Aubrey Herman in Cincinnati? Right. How many That's years right. have you lived here now? Uh, 35 years. That's as long as you. It's you're thirty four. I'm here thirty four years and six months. Um. <laughs> so you're only six months behind. It's half him. my half my life has been here. Half yeah. your life. Yes. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Right. Originally from Toronto, uh, lived in St. Louis for twenty years. Came here in 1985 to head up the Jewish Federation, and uh, I finished that uh, gig in nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, and uh, been a financial advisor uh, with Ameriprise Financial for twenty years now. Yeah, but you didn't first start out working as a Jewish communal worker. You were in the Jewish community working as a camp counselor, correct? And yes. And also a camp director. Correct. Huh. And you made the first ropes course in any Jewish camp in 1977. And I probably, if I had been one of your campers and I saw that <laughs> rope, I probably would be on the floor in tears because there was nothing worse in gym class than uh, Doing the, the gym ropes. teacher putting those oh, ropes you had down. To, you, you had to climb the ropes. Climb with your, the your ropes. arms and your legs. Yeah, and my, yeah. Uh, my that. daughter lost her tooth on a trust fall. Oh, did oh. Her oh, best friend dropped her. Oh. <laughs> they had to redo her tooth. <laughs> was it an adult tooth or a baby tooth? It was a front tooth. Oh, oh yeah, it was a big one. Yeah, her best friend dropped her oh. on a trust wow. fall. That's got to hurt. It was uh, really remarkable. Um, actually, I, I found the picture of my committee looking up at the, um, at the zip wire with uh, this Bill Brinkhorst, who was like the guru of that time. <laughs> and um, it, it really was amazing. I mean, uh, we had a zip wire across the bay at the Lake of the Ozarks, and uh, it was exciting. And uh, it was a great developmental thing. And it was a great training vehicle for teenagers to go on trips. Yeah. Because it developed their skill sets and trust right, and that type right. of thing. It was really exciting. Right. Huh, sounds interesting. Yeah, it was fun. All right, so let's get into the news. And you just chime in anytime you want and, okay. uh, you know, add some uh, flavor to the... You're our, you're our color commentator for the day. <laughs> so as I was saying... <laughs> <That's a> play, <laughs> on the play-by-play. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So Jewish Family Service takes up yes, a lot yes. of our interest here at the Israelite. And as you know, we were there. We were present at that giant food drive a couple weeks ago. And the amount of food that between... How much, yeah. They filled an entire room practically of with food, and also the mm. next room over was filled from Wise Temple's food oh, drive. Wow. It was amazing. They should be, uh, they're in good shape for at least a while, but we know during these times that there are a lot of families right. who are feeling the pressure that weren't feeling it before and may need Jewish family service, and we want you to know that they are there for you. But this, this particular article is talking about the bar bashes and how every year they make brisket and matzo ball soup during the high holidays, and... Um, Pam Barbash specifically right, right, says no right. one should go hungry at any time of the year. And 
No one should miss out on the traditions of High Holiday. So it's a, a really and sweet And so we have sentiment. a picture of Kathy Bowers, who is a volunteer there, holding up some food. It's that the brisket. Gonna, She's holding up the brisket. A, a, a brisket okay, okay. And matzo ball soup in uh, plastic containers. You know, yeah. when, uh, when communities are talking about infrastructure, um, uh, they don't, people don't understand that you have to have infrastructure and the base there. So when a COVID crisis hits or a hurricane oh, wow. hits yeah. and the demand is higher, the infrastructure is there to take care of it. So this service is so critical because you wouldn't expect to have hungry people in Cincinnati as a rule. But right now, the last seven months, the, the walls must be banging off the top. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, they more, said there's more people now. There's than more, people, more people. Right. 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 Middle-class right. people are now coming right. to them. Right, right. Yeah, it's, um, it, they have a, a wonderful organization there, really do. Okay, so uh, on page three, we have the Jewish Federation. Israel engagement will look different in 2021. So every year they have a community shaliach, uh, an emissary, and Havarim Misma Israel, young emissaries program that come to Cincinnati and uh, kind of try and uh, bridge the gap between Israelis and Americans every year, and so that the, that's going to look a lot differently this year. Right. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I, we had in the past a story that right now there is no Havarim Israel, and our Shaliach is actually moving on to Chicago. Who was the Shaliach when you were at the Federation? I had three or four. Uh-huh. Uh, Shalom Norman, I had a bunch of them. Uh, but I will tell you, for the HUC people, uh, Banya Shore, Shore um, yeah. who was the, uh, music, the music, music director, director yeah. his brother, Yakutiel, was the second shaliach in St. Louis at the JCC. Oh. And he was a symphony director. And he was remarkable. Um, and uh, Banya and I had some wonderful conversations about Yakutiel. But uh, Shachim, for me, well, well, back to the late 60s, mm-hmm. uh, when, when uh, Amatia Dayan <laughs> wow. came from a kibbutz. Okay. He was, really, he was a cousin of... Uh, of um, Moshe. 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 Um, I wonder if they were named after the same person because they both have a mm, you know, the <laughs> mem sound in the beginning. But that, that program has been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, what it did, it really imbued Israeli culture into the community at a right. time when people were t- pretty much ignorant of Israeli culture. Right. And the back and forth, and, and I'll tell you, when they do the missions, they have these reunions with all the shlichim from Cincinnati. We're talking from 1973. We're mm-hmm. talking about 20 or 30 people right. that have been here for three and four year stints. And there's a real chavara in Israel, a former shlichim from Cincinnati that are very committed and very involved. As a matter of fact, I think Danielle had a video on... Um, Danielle Minson? Yes, in, in okay. June. Okay. And they had all the shlichim come on the Zoom video. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was really I, cool. You're right. I, I believe I saw very that. Cool. Yeah, I believe very I saw yeah. that too. Or, or, no, or got some media yeah. on that. Yeah. So you started out, um, you actually started out, you went to the university... Washington University. Mm-hmm. Uh, you started out at the University of Missouri, St. Louis, with a BA in Asian Studies during the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So, explain to me how that came about right, and right. why you chose it. And did you right. have a draft number? Uh, I won the lottery. You won the lottery. Okay. <laughs> so, um, growing up in Canada, um, I went through the British school system essentially. Okay. Uh, four hours a night, locked in the room wrote learning. It was really demanding. Um, so when I was in Canada, we learned British history and European history. Huh. I moved in high school to St. Louis, and I got stuck with American history. <laughs> so I had all this history as my background, and back in those days, you could matriculate um, to junior level 
oh. history and French, which was my two major languages. Okay. So I had a choice to make. So after British American history, the only thing that was left was Asian studies. Uh, okay. So I went through the whole thing with the Chinese and the dynasties and the oh. Japanese with the Tokugawas and all that kind of stuff. And it was happening during the Vietnam War. And uh, I had a course called The Wars of National Liberation. Hmm. And it was specifically about Vietnam. Right. <clears throat> and when I was a junior, um, we had an assignment. And the assignment was what was going to be the U.S.'s next move uh. in Vietnam. Um, and you had to base it on the history of the Indochina War from the 100 years before. Right, right. So, uh, Franco-China, uh, Vietnamese War. So, uh, I wrote a paper that they had to cut off the supply lines in Cambodia. And I submitted it uh, April 25th, and uh, the professor tore it apart and gave me an A minus. The grammar was bad. Your citing wasn't good. <laughs> Four days later, the invasion occurred. He asked for the paper back, and he gave me a plus instead of a minus. <laughs> and then he tried to recruit me to be a PhD in Chinese uh, in, in Asian studies. Yeah. I said, uh, look, I said, I'm not going to go through four years of getting a PhD and not have a job because that part of the world was shut off. So that's where that ended. Okay. And I ended up in social work because of my camp stuff with the JCC. Okay, but let me ask you, Clint. So you moved here. I, I understand that you moved here in high school. Yeah. Did you become citizens right away so you, no. so you didn't have to go to Vietnam, right? Okay. Because and you right. probably filled a spot as someone who ran to Canada t as a draft oh, doctor. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, you kind of switch roles. Here's how it works. <laughs> so when you have a green card, and by the way, we're sponsored by a senator in Mississippi. Senator okay. Jackson. And what brought you to the United States? Uh, my father, uh, uh, he closed his, he had a public relations business in, in Toronto. He closed that, oh. and Brandeis University hired him to be the regional director for the Midwest of uh, the United States. And we could pick anywhere from Detroit to, De to Dallas. And the best high school, the best school system for Jewish kids was in University City, Missouri. Really? Okay. Oh. Yeah. So uh, we moved there, and we had my green card. And when you have a green card... You're a parolee, so you're allowed to pay taxes. <laughs> Basically. Right. You're a parolee. You, you can pay taxes. Um, uh, you can serve in the military, but you can't vote. Those are the rules. Until, until you're a citizen. Right. Yeah. So uh, you can vote in local elections, but not in national. Okay. So um, I got my deferments because of graduate school, et cetera. And uh, then there was a lottery uh, in I 1970. Remember, right. Sure, sure. 72. And I was number 17. Okay. And um, the, camp, the Camp Sabra was one mile closer to Kansas City than St. Louis. So I got to have the physical in Kansas City because my lawyer that was counseling me on how to get out said that they're more lenient on flat feet. So on Labor Day weekend, <laughs> 1972, <laughs> we went to uh, Kansas City and um, they, they did the whole thing with the flat feet and I was disqualified. And as we get in the car, they're announcing that uh, the draft will be over on February the 1st of the next year, and they were not going to recall people back. Oh. Otherwise, so, I was on a flight to Toronto. Yeah. If you have flat feet, I guess you can't run with a back? No, you can't. You can't march. Oh. You can't march. Okay. My dad had flat feet. Yeah. That got me out. Okay. Okay. So that was that story. Yeah. But I did have another opportunity that I never took advantage of. Uh-huh. The owners of the St. Louis Blues... We're Jewish. I know you're a big hockey player. Well, my father was connected to these guys because of Brandeis University. They okay. were donors. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So I could have 
I really? could have, yeah, I could have started at the bottom. Player. No, could have been a manager. Oh, okay. I, I mean, could have okay. been the assistant. Scotty Bowman okay. dated my girlfriend's mother. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. And that girlfriend wasn't your current wife. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I could tell you stories about Scotty Bowman. You can't do it in public. But <laughs> just say it was a different kind of world. But uh, that was a career path I could have taken. So it was camping, it was teaching. Um, uh, or it was uh, the hockey thing, right, right? But coming from Canada, in, in you know, so Bobby Orr, hockey is hockey's everything. But Bobby Orr was six months older than I was, so we all knew at 15 years old we didn't have a chance because there was only 120 players in the league. So you knew you were going to go to college. So uh, when I moved to St. Louis, what did I know? I didn't take it seriously. I had no idea that on the 50th anniversary, all this expansion was going to make the sport explode like it did for that period of time. So I missed that opportunity. But that yeah. could have been an option. I was wondering where the hockey came from. And yeah, now it all hockey. makes sense just from the Canada to get all the Canadians I just grew hockey. up in the wrong country. Yeah. That's all. It's, uh, well, <laughs> well, this person that I know that grew up in my household, he also played hockey. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I, we had a lot of hockey. And when I was a kid in Chicago, of course, ice skating was a huge thing. All the rinks. We used to go up there from St. Louis for current tournaments on Thanksgiving. We, every town yeah. had their own outdoor rink. And my yes. father actually bought this thing at Sears. Yes. And in the garden, right, right, he right. made us an ice skating rink. And right. we would go, and he would go in the morning I, with the push room yep. and take the snow off yep. for us. Yep. Yeah, I, I couldn't ice skate like 10 feet. Oh, that was a big I was ice supposed skater. to be a golfer. Oh, yeah. I know but I like, grew up <laughs> in the wrong country. <laughs> because a hundred years ago, my great aunts and uncles competed in the British amateur circuit. Yeah, really. My mother didn't tell me till I was forty-one because I never asked. But so growing up in Canada at the time, golf was a two-month season, June and July. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, I ended up playing hockey, and uh, I would slap golf balls uh, after the season was over. I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, hockey became my life's man. And so wherever very, I was, you're, you're very athletic. I guess I am, but wherever yeah, I was, yeah. hockey was my continuity. And then, but, but golf, you've done really well too. Like in 2018, you were like player of the year for a golf <laughs> tournament twice. Well, he uh, played. Got, go- now we played. I got lucky. I got lucky. Now, wait a minute. You, we were on the same team yes. for what was that the Cedar Village? It, it yeah, was, or was right. it the J? It was at the JCC. Cedar Village. Cedar Village. Cedar, okay, yeah. me, you, and Barry Cohn. Right. And mm-hmm. I had somebody on my team. I forget. Right. Yeah. Well, every year we actually did. We, we did all right that uh, that tournament. Yeah, when you used to have the picture up of that one tournament all the time, when you all had your golf clubs and the shorts on, it looked like the like, like the four stooges instead of the three. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> I always thought when you go back and look at that picture, it looks like you know with the yeah. three stooges, it's the four stooges though. Well, okay. <laughs> so well, uh, getting back to the page, Israelite okay, on page, page five in news, the yeah, n- national news. National news: uh, Jewish candidate discovers campaign sign marred with swastika. And this is from, is it Arizona? It's in Arizona. Yeah, so uh, Seth Blattman, he's right. a Democrat running for the Arizona State Senate. Okay. And uh, he told a group of local TV stations that it's extremely sad. And he has not, it doesn't seem like he's uh, going after the people at all, but. Um, well, this is, I think, a, his campaign, yeah. um, like, a, like, a, like a sign. Poster, yeah. And somebody has marked a, a swastika on it and then wrote a killer on the bottom of yeah. his neck, which is. Pretty, it's pretty childish. It really is. But you know, it, it's sad because I do remember as a teenager in Toronto when in the early '60s, uh, the swastikas in the synagogues. I mean, oh, really? it, yeah. It, 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 we it, the problem we have the problem we have right. Jews right. is that this next generation of kids have no concept of this anti-Semitism, and they need to understand. It. This is important for them to understand. It's still there. Yeah. Well, Tree of Life, the Tree of Life shooting, which right, was just several had, years yeah. ago, in Charlottesville. Yeah. yeah, Charlottesville yeah. is also recent. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, going away. 
It's well, not going also anywhere. on national news, there's a couple of stories on page seven that we all thought was interesting. Yeah. We, we talked about Northwestern, what's going on there. So there is a Jewish president of Northwestern, and the left-wing activist group um, has actually was actually out chanting. They were out there. They were out protesting. We have to say his name is, is, is Morton Shapiro. Morton Shapiro. And so they're saying Piggy Morty. Morton. Right. So what? Well, the first the demonstrators were out because they didn't feel that he did enough about uh, police reform at Northwestern University. So they were out protesting that, but it, then it took, took a bad turn. And he, you know, the question is, the piggy referring to the trafe pig, you know. That's, um, but actually, it's, I'm actually glad to see that there is a Jewish president at Northwestern. I had my father, when he was applying to colleges, uh, applied to both Northwestern and University of Illinois in Champaign. And at the time, Northwestern had like a test, like an ICT or an SAT, and he and his friend Clarence Lawrence went to take that exam. And they got a letter saying that they failed. So they went, they went to University of Illinois Champaign. Not so uh, bad anyway for what they studied. Uh, My father became a chemical engineer. Came time for his master's, so he went back. He applied to Northwestern University, <laughs> and he applies again. And the guy says, you're accepted. We're so wow. happy to have you. And my dad says to him, well, don't I have to retake that test I didn't take? He said, because I got a letter saying, I failed. He said, oh, you didn't fail. We filled our quota of Jews at the time, and wow. we couldn't take you. Oh, my. So for, oh it's my. nice to see oh, that Northwestern is not like it was oh, in yeah, the yeah. 50s. That's you know, sad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so my dad did end up getting his master's in chemical engineering at Northwestern. Wow. So, um, and then, you know, all these campuses have to rethink how they're doing things, and, and, right, and right. both left and right groups need to think how they're protesting. And, and you stay focused on what you're saying, and... Don't sway to something that has nothing to do with what you're actually fighting about. So one of the interesting stories on this page is a 35-year-old Jewish deli in Denver has closed amid the pandemic's pressure, and it's called Zadie's? Yep. yep. Zadie's Deli. Um, it's a 35-year-old family-owned Jewish deli in Denver. It's a, hus- a father and son, Gerald and Jason Rudolfsky, and um, they said they've tried, but based on what's going on, with you know rules and things, they just can't they can't manage anymore. Well, I guess they don't have. Uh, and plus, it's getting cold out there. It's starting to snow. Right. And so you could have an outdoor dining, but you can't really have much indoor dining. And that's well, they're all putting heaters. I was actually at okay. a restaurant okay. in, in Chicago okay. with okay. The, it's, they lifted up the sides. It was yeah. completely outside, and then they had these huge heaters. Right. We've bought a heater for our porch, but they had an interesting way of telling people. They said we've hosted many life cycle events. Your son's bris, right. your daughter's bat mitzvah. We celebrated love by catering your weddings. We remembered and mourned those you've lost right and we've provided for your shiva so you know we've been in your life all this time and they did say that the jewish community was trying to support them as best they can but you know it's tough times for restaurants mm-hmm. tough time for everybody yeah yes. nonprofits, restaurants synagogues churches i mean you wonder about the rainy day it's yeah. here what yeah it's what rainy been day here do you need? for six months yeah yeah so it's uh, it's a it's a struggle and it's sad to watch all this stuff fall apart like this but then there's industries that have opened up that you know were just always there and no one took advantage of them and now all of a sudden they're booming you've got other ones yeah. that are, are benefiting from this and well yeah. look at amazon yeah <laughs> i mean amazon has gone through the roof yeah all the all the remote stuff has gone through the roof yeah but it's called winners and losers yeah, and, and, and exactly. in a situation like this, unfortunately, there should not be winners and losers. 
Well, it's, it's going to come back. I mean, it's all going to come back. And well, all these restaurants aren't going to reopen. Yeah. No, no. They'll be. Ho- hopefully, they'll yeah. find another way to to, to um, make a living. Hopefully. So on to other national stories. Rick Jacobs takes a leave amid amid sexual misconduct allegations, and he is an aide to Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti. And I didn't know you told me this just today. That Eric Garcetti is Jewish. Yeah, I actually met him here at a fundraiser uh, a number of years ago. He's definitely Jewish. Um, You know, there was talk for a while that he was thinking of even trying to make a play to run for president at one point. So he was well, maybe governor. I think he has. They they go up the ladder from um, Los Angeles to governor, and then governor to because Newsom is definitely going to run for president uh, probably in a couple years. Probably, yeah. But anyway, so he was his chief of staff, and then he became his political. And it, he just seemed to uh, had a, have a, an attraction to some of the people that were involved with the Los Angeles mayor, I guess is well, the I nice way to, to say explain. it. <laughs> Who's, who was he was attracted to? Um, well, he was attracted to other men, and yes. he was uh, repeatedly trying to kiss one and uh, <laughs> well. harass one of the bodyguards. But, you know, he's stepping back, and he's going to stay out of politics for a while. Okay. And, he, and anyway, and then and New York City, that, right. The uh, New York City mayor is now apologizing for how he handled the Orthodox funeral. That um, was the Satmar uh, funeral, right? It was a large ascetic. Well, he's he handled a, b- a bunch of things, I guess you would say aggressively, only because I would say probably out of fear. You know, yeah. it's not you can't. It's just not just about one group. It's it's their effect on everybody else. So exactly. Um, but he's at least you know saying I could have maybe done better. So he's taking a step back and he's apologizing. He's taking ownership for how he handled it, um, and he maybe has now come up with some skills to handle it in a different way, so it's more productive. And and then the, the Jewish community of New York is tremendous. I mean, there's Orthodox and. You know, and conservative and reform. It's it's a tremendous, tremendous Jewish community in New York. So that's part of his voting block. That, those are his voters. Right. Those are his voters. <laughs> um, and, and interestingly, in Israel, um, an Israeli Arab attempted to steal a weapon from an IDF soldier. So, so I think they were waiting at the bus stop, and this, uh, this, this perpetrator just tries to steal this guy's gun, and uh, he didn't get the gun. Um but uh, some other soldiers, I guess, kind of ran up and then, I guess, shot the guy. Yeah. And uh, that, was, that was the end of that. So you have a lot of relatives in Israel? You yeah. Talking, so I have a sister. Uh, she has five children, 18 grandchildren, and three great-grandchildren. Wow. And she's two years younger than I am. Wow. wow. So what brought her to Israel? Um, um, my family came from an Orthodox background at multiple levels. And um, what I have found is that in every family, I don't know how many generations it takes to skip, but along the way, one of the kids, great gang kids or whatever, gets imbued with uh, the gene. The spirit. The orthodox gene. It's weird. (laughs) It is weird. It it, it, it skips. It skips generations. Yes, it does. She got it. And she... Exactly right. The reason we knew, I knew something was wrong. Was wrong. <laughs> I knew something, something was wasn't wrong. right because we would have Chinese dinner every Sunday, and we kept kosher. We had three sets of dishes: we had the milkshake, the flashik, and the Chinese. We had the plastic <laughs> dishes for the Chinese. So, <laughs> but every Sunday we went out for Chinese dinner because in Toronto, during that time, the fifties and sixties, the chefs were coming from Hong Kong. Oh, this is so, the real, we, the real deal. My grandparents lived uh, in, right near Chinatown uh, on Baldwin Street. So we would visit my grandparents, and we'd have dinner on, in Chinatown. Well, there'd be 20 different restaurants, and we would follow the chefs that came to town, the new chefs, 
around the Chinatown. Well, she would always order, my sister would always order salmon and hamburgers. Oh, she wow. would never order the Chinese food. Huh. And I said, something's not right. So anyway, so um, she met this reform guy, and they, uh, he was at Hillel at Wash U, and they got connected, and uh, he became Orthodox. She was comfortable being Orthodox. They didn't feel that being in University City, Missouri, was a good place for Orthodox Jews to be, and therefore going to Israel would be a great place for them to practice being Jewish. Okay. okay. So they go to Israel, live in Pedach Tikva, and I'll never forget visiting them the first time they went. And the first time they went, on Saturday morning, all I'm hearing are trucks firing up, driving all over the place in Pedach Tikva. And I said, what is this different from University City? <laughs> but that's, anyway, they, they, they settled there, and in 84, they uh, built a house in Elkanah in the territories, and they raised the kids, and they're still in Elkanah, and they're right inside the West Bank of a Highway 6, and four of the five kids with their grandchildren are living in the territory still. Huh. Uh, one's living in Pedach Tikva, the others live, one lives in the border right, of Lebanon. Right, right. And uh, it's quite a life. Fascinating. And by the way, they're locked down right now. They can only walk a mile a day. That's all they can do. And you can't, and we were saying that you can't go to visit Israel no. right now no. either. And I have a lot of friends that spend a and lot of I'd time like over to, there. Yeah, we want to go. They can't but go. We can't go. We can't, we can't go. go right now. Can't go. Yeah. So, and we missed a couple of bar mitzvahs already and all that. So it's yeah. been really tough. Yeah. And you've been to Israel, I mean, there a, a number of times. How many times have you been to Israel? 36 times. I used to get annoyed. When I would take the <laughs> older donors to Israel, they would always brag how many times they've been to Israel. And I said, that's annoying, you know? <laughs> so here I am, you're asking me. I've well, it's a lucky number, 36. 36, double Twice high. high. The, last, uh, the last two, t- two of the last times I was there was to bury my parents. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we... Um, for some reason, well, it, it goes back a long way, but I have an uncle, I have two uncles and an aunt. They're buried in uh, near Beth Shemesh at the uh, the diaspora um, uh, cemetery, and uh, my father passed in uh, in '99, and uh, we buried him there. And by the way, it was Columbine was the day it would happen. We, oh wow! We came from Shiva back to right. the hotel, right. turned on the TV, Columbine was happening in real time. So that was my memory of that one. Right. And then my mother passed, and we took her there, and she's buried next to my father. And so the deal was, we took care of my parents when they were here. And after they were dead, my sister goes there with the f- kids, and they do the whole thing with the uh, every year with the yurt site and all that, and they go to the Braves. So it was a good deal. Worked out okay. well. Worked out well. Yeah. Wow. So thirty-six times—that's a lot. And I'm assuming some of that was with your career in Jewish communal work, Most and, of it. and a lot of it was some of it was visiting family. family Most of it was career. Yeah. I mean, uh, one time I went four times in one year. One year. Oh God, I'll tell you, I was exhausted. Then I went to a GA in Los Angeles. My time zones were screwed up for a year and a half after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many times has Arlene gone with you? Uh, Arlene being your wife. Arlene, my wife. Uh, she's been with me probably about uh, 10 or 12 of the times. Okay. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, so, so I'm assuming your sisters, some of her children have served in the IDF as well. They all have. Yes, they okay. all have. Okay. Yeah. That's wonderful. So um, actually, uh, my, uh, my nephew uh, made the newspaper. Uh, he... Uh, he was in the Golan with his dog. They have a, a, a dog sniffing for the bombs. Mm-hmm. And the dog got lost and was lost for two years. Oh, wow. Came back to, to uh, Elkanah to reunite with him two years later. Wow. It's a front page story in the in Jerusalem Post. It was amazing, yeah. That's an, that yeah, is a really, really cool. amazing. Well, they can't ask the dog, where, was it, where were we at? Yeah. <laughs> it was just wandering found, around. Found his way back from the Golan <laughs> Heights. He came all the way back to, uh, to, to Elkanah. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So we're on to the uh, photo page, and we have uh, Ortora uh, this week um, adapting to the new reality of COVID 
and there's photos of uh, the kids at school and also uh, the first day of school and uh, um, opening back up again. Yeah, beautiful children, all beautiful children, um, some Zoom shots, mm-hmm. and uh, really lovely pictures. So I should bring up that we've got a, uh, an ad from Christian Jenkins, who is running for judge for, uh, for this week, and uh, it was somewhat of a little <laughs> controversial, but we <laughs> want to mention that Christian Jenkins is a proud member of the Jewish community and is running for Hamlin County judge. And I usually don't do anything no, political, no. But uh, we that will come up. I want people to remember that because this comes up in a little bit. Right. Letters to the editors where you're doing a little retraction there. Yes, we're doing a retraction. Just a little retraction. Yes, a little retraction. <laughs> uh, then we've got Kebabski Restaurant. Kebabski uh, Mediterranean uh, and Simple uh, is our um, uh, dining out for this week. And uh, um, there's some pictures of what really looks like a tasty cheese pizza there. Can you eat that, though? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's not kosher, but I could eat it. Yeah. <laughs> in trouble. Forever. So we move on to letters to the editor. And I need to read this um, because it is a, it's a political uh, statement. And um, dear editor, a recent political ad in the American Israelites stated that Christian Jenkins is a proud member of Temple Beth Adam. And it needs to be stated clearly that no one at the congregation had any knowledge of this ad prior to publication. Furthermore, it should be not noted that whoever placed the ad didn't know that the correct name is Congregation Beth Adam. Moreover, Christian Jenkins is not currently, nor has he ever been a member of the congregation of Congregation Beth Adam. Such a statement is false and misleading. Finally, Beth Adam does not endorse candidates. The congregation deserves an apology by those who placed the ad. It was wrong and a misuse of our congregational name. This is from Rabbi Robert Barr, founding rabbi, and Rachel Smith, president, board of trustees, Congregation Beth Adam. Okay, so. Uh, we need to do a retraction. He, he, and, yep. uh, um, and the so. New York mayor does it, and Ted Deutsch Publisher can yeah, apologize so and retract. That came from somebody else that was paying for the ad, and we didn't, you know, we didn't know, but uh, we did get it right, and the ad in the paper this week is currently correct. Okay. So we just wanted to mention that. And thank you for bringing that to our attention. And also we want to remind our listeners that the opinions spoken here are only the opinions of the person speaking and not that of the Let There Be Light podcast or the, or American, the American Israelite. Israelite. Right. And there's another fascinating letter to the editor from um, my one of my, like a relation of mine, which is uh, Rabbi Robert Reiner, who now lives in Florida, about um, about Robert Marks starting the Disabled American Veterans. And, and he had uh, been on our, he was on the front page a number of weeks ago, and we yeah. know that he's done a lot of great things for Cincinnati. And and Rob Reiner, Bob Reiner um, talks about his, his uh, being in the service, and how uh, he was affected by PTSD during Vietnam, and he was a chaplain. And uh, it's, it's interesting. People should read about this. But it goes back to Robert Marks, who started. And, it, you know, I see ads on, the, on TV now about uh, disabled, you know, contacted disabled American veterans. I see posters for them if you're having trouble during this time as a veteran. I mean, it's, it's a huge organization. Yes. And it was all started here in Cincinnati by Robert Marks. Fascinating. So. Well, we're on to our very, our very favorite, favorite, favorite page. page. 
Ted is always going to begin with the in the beginning of 1854 when the American Israelites started. But last week, uh, Carol read that, and it talked, uh, again, we asked, who is Samuel Bruel? So I did do a little bit of research. Okay. So he was actually a friend of Rabbi Mayor Isaac Wise. Right, right. And they called, he was Orthodox. Okay. Um, there's actually been a, a lot of writing about him. He was, one, he was one of the few that was involved with Rabbi uh, Wise that huh? didn't believe that women should have an equal voice in a congregation. Didn't believe it. Did that? not believe it. Okay, so well he was still a little bit more into the Orthodox. Well, that's completely changed. Yeah, that's completely. That's 160 right. years, 66 years Right, ago. so that was, and he they called him like a, he, he was he thought he was a journalist. Uh, someone else referred to him in the past as an amateur journalist, one of his people that was alive when he was alive. But um, he's got an interesting history, and so we hope to follow mm. up with that later and do like a full history of who he was. And there's actually a relation of his that still lives in Cincinnati. So Brule? What's the name? Yeah, uh, their their name is not Brule. Okay. But, um, <coughs> yeah, I before I announce it, I wanted to actually get in touch with okay, them. Okay, okay. But I know who they are, and they're uh, a descendant of his, I believe it's his uh, sister's children or his, his daughter's. Okay sister his daughter's children okay. but uh, has a different last name all right so uh cincinnati israelitish institutions by samuel brule this continued from last week in the year 1845 they kk benny yesharoon which is now wise temple mm -hmm. obtained their charter and in the fall of 1847 their present synagogue was consecrated for public service <clears throat> since which they have purchased the adjoining lot with the intention of erecting a schoolhouse upon it in the basement of this building, they have established a public seminary for the education of children of both sexes, in which is taught the Hebrew, English, German languages, and literature. This school is progressing and has so far exceeded the most sanguine, sanguine expectations. In 1849, they obtained for the school a charter under the style of Talmud Yelodim. Yelodim. Okay, Talmud Yelodim. It is supported by an annual general tax on its members with the fees for tuition. This school is conducted by a board of trustees elected by their congregation. And then and the it, editor's note is coming from Carol Hershenson. Right. This continues the history of the congregation KKB, KK Bene Yeshurun, which later became Isaac Merwise Temple. The building described as their present synagogue was on Lodge, Lodge Street, Lodge Street, now Ruth Lyons Lane, it is a predecessor to the Plum Street Temple. So it, back in the day when Reform first began, they actually did a lot of their services in German. Okay, and well, the, the because, population was all German. Well, they yeah, so the, German, they yeah. came, they were, that was what the, the German right. uh, synagogues had. And, um, and HUC, of course, has a, a really wonderful history, which we slowly add in right, right, each right. week. But... Um, so this is very a very interesting story. It does talk about they did educate both males and females in reform. And again, as I told you, Samuel Brule was a little bit against this, but he had to give in because, of course, you know, that the rabbis at that time were uh, pushing for it. So it was really good. So well, down, one of the things I want to point out down at the bottom on the left mm -hmm. of this page, there is an ad for Simon and Wiles, established 1848 new matzah bakery. <laughs> yeah, nice. Built especially for matzahs, uh, new machinery, new ovens, 529, 531, 533 East Pearl Street, Cincinnati, Ohio. And that's this ad is from 1895, 
but it was established in 1848. So, so that's a lot of years. This is this is years before, six years before the Israelites, and there was a number of other Jew. So that's Jewish businesses and Jewish right. businessmen and families that are here, and this is one of the businesses, which is, that's interesting. Well, I think the first, from what I've been doing in all this research, I think the first Jewish person that came through was actually a doctor, and he wasn't feeling very comfortable, and he left, and then another group came in, and they all started establishing themselves. And in fact, Rabbi Isaac Wise, in some of his discussions, talks about as you come and how you progress from you start, like, as a peddler, and you do this, and and he had labels for each person as they progressed in society, and he felt one of his things that was important for him to do was to educate his people. And he had two newspapers. One was Dear Dorothy or Dear Dear, okay, Dear okay. Dorothy, and that was in German. And then he had this one in English. Oh, Dear D-E-R, Dear Deborah. Dear Deborah. That's it, Dear Deborah. And yeah, so yeah. one in German and one in English. Yeah. And he felt that he, so that's why he put a lot of stories and a lot of and things to help right, people right. become more educated and get away from some of their European habits and become more American. As right. you as you do your research, you're going to discover that Abraham Moss, who was British, came here in 1824. Oh, okay. And one of the unique things about Cincinnati's Jewish community and general community is that it's a mixture of German and British background. Oh. And that's where some of our rules of engagement come from. Okay. And why things are so hard to get done in the city. Okay. Because you got those two cultures working Which together. Which are different, yeah. Totally different. Very uh, Actually, different. Abraham Moss made a $5,000 gift to the community in 1856. How much would that be today? It was equivalent of 4 or $5 million. And the Abraham Moss Society is named after right, him. Right, right, right. For the endowment right. program from the, J- from the Federation. Right, right, right. That Harris Western kicked off 25 years ago. That's yeah, how far back. It's interesting. Goes. Yeah, fascinating. So, yeah. you do you when you took your job here as the as the head of the federation right, in Cincinnati, right. did you did you have to research or did they present you with something in the community so that you would understand things more? Well, I was a history major. Okay, that's right. And being a history major, um, one of the things I was disciplined to do was to learn the history. And uh, this city has a fabulous history. Yes, to me. yes. You just have to go to Plum Street Temple. Right. Go downstairs. And you see those marble stones with the twenty-five and fifteen-dollar donations from eighteen sixty. I mean, it is—it's a mind blower that people in Germany were sending money oh, wow. to get Plum Street Temple established, and the, the, the you know the Abraham Mosses and, and the uh, Maxes, Max, the Mac family. I Mac mean, family. Yeah. all these right. people that go back, and then Losantiville and all that stuff that happened. Uh, it's a very rich history, and it was very easy to digest, and it's here. It, 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 right, the American it's all, Israelite. Right, so, right, has, that's why we have so much fun it, with these it's pages. All right, here. right, right. It's well, all here the, chron- the chronicler yeah. of that history. And then, the um, yeah. and then HUC did a book on the Jews of Cincinnati. Right, we have that. We have that federation funded. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's a uh, that's that's all there. It's it's like it's like a layout of what happened in the city over 150 years. Right, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. Well, uh, so 150 years right. ago, there is a, a story here about a Joel Steinberg. I want okay. to let everyone okay. know I did research that is not the same Steinbergs right. as the Steinbergs you know where you would buy your appliances. The Steinbergs that well, we're from. Well, there's also Steinbergs clothing. Right. So, but this Steinberg, the Steinbergs that we know of, are began in 1921. The Steinbergs right. Electronics by Eli Steinberg. So I did try right. to see if there was any connection. I could not, and it did not seem to lead me to the Steinberg's clothing either. But 125 years ago, we have our ladies' column. Uh. 
And I believe she's talking about some manners today. So she says, the fashion of allowing servants to oversee children's meals is responsible for the formation of bad habits in early life, which no amount of after-correction is sometimes sufficient to counteract. I have seen the 18-year-old son of a United States senator spread a whole slice of bread at a time and bite from its balanced in his hand. As like it's this. balanced, yeah. The manners of some, the manners of somewhat younger boy of a prominent writer would disgrace the son of a mechanic. While you have no right to inflict the company of a two-year-old baby upon your guests at the table in order that he might not be an infliction to his own friends later in life. It will be well to begin forming his table manners as early as he can be taught to handle his knife and fork. That is possible to do this, this except at much sacrifice of your own personal comfort I do not assert. One can scarcely overestimate what a help in society table manners are, nor, indeed, what a hindrance bad habits may prove. <laughs> The graceful and dainty way in which one eats soup, handles a fork, or breaks his bread stamps one as having been used to a good society or to the opposite. Rather, it places the stamp of his breeding upon him. Well, you know, my grandmother, Charlotte, um, when I was growing up, would always tell me how to, you know, hold a fork, how you eat your salad, how you eat your... She was very... When we were children, yeah. she was very concerned with my table manners and that I... You know, show good good ta- table manners. Exactly. When you were growing up, and and you know, our family it was like you know, you didn't put your elbows on the table. You only had one. You know, you know, and and you wore your napkin, and you you know what you did and how you conducted your. And that was very important to my grandparents. Yeah. And my parents were very much like that. You know, you don't want you know. It was very important to them. So this is you know the same kind of thing. Right. I mean, well, it's it's imparting good manners on you. You know, my it, I used to hear a lot like when you go when on a date. Up. Yeah, when you when you you got you know you got to know how to do this. So when you go on a date, now coming from the foreign country of Canada, <laughs> which it was, yes, <laughs> which it was. <laughs> when you moved, when you moved Culture to M- Missouri, did, yes. were there things that you had to learn differently that we did that you know was going on here that was? So what were some of those examples? First day in class uh, in, in in Canada, uh, we we. Started studied Tale of Two Cities in eighth grade. Uh. So apparently when I got to St. Louis, uh, they were studying it in 10th grade. <laughs> so I knew all the answers. So, uh, you know, you want to show off, right? So uh, they're asking questions, and the teacher recognizes me, and I stand up. And the class breaks out laughing. Nobody ever stood up. Not in the <laughs> States. You raise your hand. Not in the States. Uh-oh. So um, fast forward, uh, actually, it was 13 years later at Plum Street Temple. United Way was hosting. Oh, I was there. I was, uh, uh, so that, that's, uh, that was when I got to St. Louis. So fast forward, 1986, United Way hosts new executives to town at Plum Street Temple for like an orientation. And there was a couple of Indian people and British people. So um, when it was time to introduce yourself, I made sure I stood up to give them permission <laughs> that they could stand up. Because I remembered the embarrassment of having, yeah. So yeah. it was a culture shock. And, yeah. I, and I arrived at a time when school integration had just begun. Okay. And that was a very interesting dynamic. I mean, here I am, a very naive, I've only met three people, black people in my life in Toronto. A piano teacher, a professor, and my, I had a, a geography teacher, Mr. Marceline, uh, from t- Trinidad, Tobago. So there was absolute respect and no color deviation. 
uh, in St. Louis, I got to tell you, it was like uh, going to the South. Yeah. It was a culture shock. And uh, it was tough. I mean, you had the Vietnam, you had the riots, you had the integration going on. It was a crazy period of time. And here I am, this naive kid from Canada coming into the middle of this. And it was quite an education. Yeah. Wow. Well, you've survived. You, you look you look healthy. I you learned look, quickly. You look good. I learned quickly. You look good. Your golf game is good. You feel <laughs> healthy. What <laughs> doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's, That's true. Right. Yeah. That's true. It didn't so, kill So, 100 years ago, there's an yep. article about Mrs. L- Lily, Lily Ackerland Fleischman is right. now in England and with her son, Junior, um, who just graduated in June from Yale and yes. with whom she used to spend some months traveling abroad. So, um, Lily Ackerland Fleischman was the first wife of okay. Julius Fleischman, who was the Cincinnati mayor. No, no, t- but his Julius father, Fleischman. No, his father Julius. was Charles, okay. and Charles was one of the founders of Fleischman's, Fleischman's margarine. margarine. And also Fleischman's yeast. Right. You say that sign down when you're on 75, Fleischman's yeast. Right. I don't so, think you say that sign anymore. I think they I took know. the sign down. But anyway, so um, he actually, I have a funny feeling just by doing some of my research that uh, he may have left Lily for a younger woman, Mrs. Uh-huh. O'Brien, because uh-huh. he divorced Lily and married the younger, the 20-year younger Mrs. O'Brien um, all in the same year. And, of course, Mrs. O'Brien was not Jewish. I'm sure there was a lot of gossip going around <laughs> then. <laughs> but um, That was quite the scandal. Quite the scandal. But, but in, in, in those days, knows. interesting, in those days, reporting on on sojourns, oh, yes. travel. it was like a, a like a diary you had. It was like amazing. Yes, and that was reported in the papers all the time. It was like and well, you know, we just we're just we're now in October. Yeah, but like you know, from May till like September, all right. these people They're were all like traveling. Yeah, they were going. Through. They would like take off for like the whole summer. Yeah. We would, yeah. Yeah, they'd take off for like the whole summer. And go to back. like Cape Cod and report yeah. back what right. they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Because at that time, this was their way of communicating was Absolutely. through the newspaper. Absolutely. So, yeah, right. Right. Um, but, right. but, you're exactly right. But Junior Fleischer himself became a philanthropist, and he okay. founded the World Art, um, and he, he made a name for himself as well. Um, moving down to 50 years ago, we right. have two really fun items I'd like to talk about. First is Dr. and Mrs. Matitiahu Tzvat of 764 Redbud Avenue. Right up the street from where I lived on uh, Lenox Place, and Redbud was right there, right above it. Right, so they announced the forthcoming bar mitzvah of their son Joel, Saturday, November 7th at 10.30 a.m. at Hebrew Union College. All friends are invited. So... Uh, Doctor Savat, he was a professor right, of, exactly. of, and and this uh, bar mitzvah was a an a wonderful event for Joel, and he said that he actually had his party with Max Gilman. They had a double party. Yeah, you know, we just talked about Max Gilman about a week or two weeks ago That's, when I was here, and he's now a professor. Right, and so how Joel was taught, he did not go to traditional Sunday school or, bar or Hebrew. So first of all, his father was a rabbi and professor of Bible at HUC, uh-huh. as well as being an ordained rabbi. He came from Breslov, Germany, and he first went to Israel to help establish Israel. And he actually took classes on like agriculture and things, how to do planting. And so he went to Israel and did a lot of the planting. Um, and then he was trained in Sicily how to grow fruit trees. Um, and he did that, and then the whole family went to Israel, his whole family, and then he decided he wanted to move on with his education, and he actually came to HUC, and he got a, uh, got a PhD, and he became a rabbi. And how, how Joel was taught is on Sunday, 
Huh? A number of the very big rabbis at HUC would all oh, get together wow. at a different house every Sunday with their sons. Okay. And they would have like the the, the old fashioned way of learning, where like, you would sit down and you he said and we we learned Talmud, we learned all the really tough subjects. Huh. He said, and then I then I went ahead and I did you know have a bar mitzvah. My father taught me. His way of of using the trope, the German way, mm-hmm. um, he said, and he actually taught the the rabbi Doctor Spot actually also taught Joel and his wife Jody's daughters to chant the same way. Um, he said his he knew his whole life he was going to have a bar mitzvah. It was meaningful in the fact that it was you know moving on to the next step of life, but it was just a, it was a normal part of life. It was, in his family it wasn't such a big deal as it is today with the parties. Um, he did have to borrow a suit. I always ask him where they got their suit. He had to borrow the suit, and at that time, he was at Walnut Hills. Um, and he said that it was, you know, he remembers his Torah portion was Lech Lecha. And this week. Which yeah. Which is this week coming up. And he, he probably had a kid at Kiddush at HUC. He's had a lot of kids, and this is mentioned by all the people I call. We They had their parties at Hirsch's Mainliner, and maybe they had a garage <laughs> band and... Um, yeah, so he said his birthday is actually in July, but he had his bar mitzvah in November because he was cognizant of the fact that everyone right, was it, gone in the right, summer. Right, right. And right. it was a ice skating party, and he uh, oh no, it was a yeah, it was an ice skating party. But I guess next door was a movie theater, hmm. and the movie movie theaters taught showed X-rayed movies, and they Ugh. lost a couple of the boys who <laughs> snuck um, in, yeah. snuck into the movie theater. Popped the door. Of course. Um, <laughs> so Joel, Joel went on, and he went to uni- uh, Texas, and he also got his medical degree down at Texas, um, and he got interested in that because his older brother, who has since um, passed away, um, had been interested in Texas because it had a very reasonable tuition. Mm. Um, he went to Harvard for a master's in public health wow. and a fellowship he did in Boston of clinical decision-making, and that's where he met his wife, Jody, who was um, doing some, she's a nurse and doing some uh, critical research. They have two daughters who are both in medicine. Uh, one is in her residency, and I, I believe, no, they're both in the residency. Okay. And... Um, and they moved back here to work. Uh, he came back to work at UC for a number of years, and actually now he's back in Texas. I, I believe he's head of the residency program. I remember, I remember Joel from uh, from 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 North Avondale and Walnut Hills. Yeah, well, Joel Joel is is brilliant and wonderful. His daughters are brilliant. Jody is brilliant. She was actually an angel. She helped us with my mother in law for many many years. She just is an angel. I said she's a. A really a woman of value, value, and I'm so glad that I got to meet them and hear their stories. And below that, of course, is right, one of right. our, our buddies. Yeah, our buddies. Our buddies. <laughs> Martha Brand Dave. Um, and so her announcement, she actually had her bat mitzvah on a Friday night at Adath Israel because at that time girls didn't do Saturday mornings. Right, right. And it was Mr. and Mrs. Arthur Brand, 6530 Hudson Parkway, announced the forthcoming. Which is where I, I, that's my street. I'm off of Hudson Park. I live on South Farmcrest, so that's. Uh, right, right off, there, right, right there. Yep. So, and instead of calling it a bat mitzvah at that time, they used the Yiddish term, the bas mitzvah right, of their daughter right. Martha, Friday, November sixth. Um, and we, I actually have a picture of her. Okay. It's on our social media, social of uh, Facebook and Instagram. And I'm supposed to be getting a picture of Joel. They okay. think they have a picture at home as well. So, uh, relatives and friends are cordially invited to worship with the family. Martha is the granddaughter of Mrs. Nellie Brand and the late Mr. Jack Brand and the late Mr. and Mrs. Jack Lee Montre. So, so this, um, what was I going to say about... Um, it was at Adith Israel. There, she's like right, a fourth-generation right. Adith Israel member, and um, 
She said that one of the most exciting things was being, you know, of course, up on the bima next to, to Rabbi Goldfeder. She said it was a really, you know, an intense moment. And well, she, we want to wish her. It's her birthday's her right birthday. around now, so we yes. want to wish her a happy birthday. If she's listening, a shout out to Martha Brand and happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yes, nice. and Martha Ad, Brand Dave. Martha, Martha Brand Dave. Dave. And Dave, as so. we know from previous Adith Israel students, uh, the Cantor Feifel recorded the right. lessons for them on a tape. And um, and she said she f- was so proud, and she got a lot of accolades. And you know, she was it, she felt this. Her Judaism has always been an important part of right. her life. Right. And she did She's have very a, involved in the Jewish yeah. community. So she had a party afterwards, and a kids' party. And she said that um, she had a kiddish afterwards, and it was just kids. It was a smaller party. And that the other thing is that she, if she was to tell us, like, what she did with her life afterwards, she went to Indiana University, she majored in business, um, she's uh, very involved in the AJC, she has two adult children, and um, it was a, a, she had this smallish bowling party at the Summit Lanes afterwards, and she, she said she remembers Joel's bar mitzvah, you know, as far as that goes, because okay. they were the same weekend. Oh. And, um, and she knew Ted, I guess, a little bit oh, growing yeah. up. Yeah, she, yeah. Anyway, so it was really a pleasure to talk to her. She is also a really devoted member of our community and one we're really very happy. Nice lady. Yeah, very happy to very have nice part lady. of our uh, American Israelite and she's done answered a lot of the questions for us and helped us get hold of people. So we really appreciate Martha and we thank both Martha and Joel for sharing their story with us. And uh, so you want to do 25 years ago. <laughs> and then we also have 25 years ago. It's very interesting. So t- 25 years ago, we had Leslie and Jerry Lindahl and Hirsch and Patty Weiss announce the engagement of their daughter, Elizabeth Ann. Now, we know her as Beth Kotzen, and she's with Jewish Family Service. And she became engaged to Scott Aaron Kotzen, Dr. son of Dr. 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 Scott Aaron Kotzen, son right. of Barney right. and Suzanne Greenbaum right. of Columbus. So they actually met Labor Day weekend of 1994. She was coming home. She had been living in Arizona. Uh. And she came home, and she was at a Camp Livingston reunion, so another uh. important Cincinnati wow. event. Uh. And Scott was at that time in med school, and they met and they exchanged uh, addresses, and she went back to Arizona. Uh. Uh, and she kind of took a liking to him, so she called him okay. once, gave the message <laughs> to his father, didn't hear back. Okay. Called twice, gave the message again, she thinks, to his father, didn't get a call back. Oh. Called a third time, and the mother answered. Uh, okay. Uh, and back. now he's woken up from his sleep <laughs> to talk to her. <laughs> yep. Get so, up, it's your future wife. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? There's a Jewish girl on the phone. Yes. Get up. I don't care how <laughs> time. I don't care that you work till 3 o'clock. Get up and <laughs> right. answer the phone. You know how it is. <laughs> so um, she came back <laughs> for Thanksgiving, and they had their first date. They went to lunch and a movie, and they didn't stop talking after that. And she moved home in January. And they became engaged that summer. It was very, uh, in, in that summer Labor Day weekend, um, when they went to New York to visit some friends, and oh. it was done very romantically. They were supposed to go to dinner. And instead, he kept kind of walking her around, and he, he um, started to talk about, um, he talked about that it was the month of Elul. And in Hebrew... Elul, right. Well, yeah. Elul is a very special... I talk about Elul constantly. Right. So it's Olive, Laman, Vav, Laman, which is also Ani, Lahado, Divadodi, Li. So he starts to talk to her about uh, that. Uh, and he gets down on one knee, uh, and they're at the Met, and he uh, asks her to get married. So very romantic. 
All you men out there should listen and take a lesson from Dr. Scott Conson. Well, give him a call and ask him how to propose. That's, that's probably a good idea, too. Right. So they, they ended up getting <laughs> married um, a year later. So they got married in 1996. This is now their 24th year of marriage. She said she married her best friend. There's nobody else she'd want to spend time with. They have uh, three children, um, two boys who are twins that are 17, and they're at Sycamore, and a son, 21, who's at OSU. And hoping to follow in his father's footsteps. And she wants to mention she does have a, a daughter. It's Tulip the dog. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was also nice. And we know that Beth used to work here. She worked yes. here when I worked here. She was she, an assistant editor. Yeah. 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 And uh, worked very hard. And now she's working for Jewish Family Service. So yep, yep. continuing to stay in the Jewish community. Yep. And then very below good. that, we all we all want to talk about the article below. Especially, okay. I this know that Aubrey has some, um, has some... Interesting things to say about the skating and going skating. Yeah, the uh, four, four Jewish kids uh, qualified for the national uh, championships in um, Huntsville, Alabama oh. in uh, 1995, 96, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I remember um, we play hockey at 6 in the morning. And I'll never forget, um, I would see Marlene and Robbie at the rink. Schmalo. Schmalo. And mm. I'm telling you, those kids work so hard with their skating skills every single morning, two hours every day. It was day. Lauren oh, and wow. Rob. Yeah. yeah, they worked so hard. Beautiful to watch. I mean, right. they were fabulous skaters. It was great to see four Jewish kids uh, emerging in that area. So it's not it, a big place for Jewish kids to no, be, by the way. Right. That's not a big, yeah. yeah. So it track. was um, it was Robert and Lauren Schmalo, their mm -hmm. brothers and sisters, and right. their son of Albert and Marlene. Right. And Mar then now Marlene was my drama teacher at. I still can't believe she's your was your teacher that. And if you ask her, she, I did this. So she, we did this like improv this one day, and I was John Fane, not John Wayne, John Fane. <laughs> and I, it's just I didn't do my homework, so I had to come up with something really quick. And uh, I said John Fane. And I did this whole thing about John Fane and blah, blah, who he was and all this kind of stuff. And Glenn Rosen was in that class. And you know Glenn Rosen. Yeah, he got one of our calendars. Okay, Glenn Rosen <laughs> to this day comes up to me and says, hey, John, how you doing? Uh, John. <laughs> John Fane. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I remember that <laughs> to this day. So one of the other students was Erica Cohn, and she was at Sycamore High School. She's daughter of Michael Cohn Fessman and uh, Michelle. Michelle Cohn Fessman and Dr. Michael Cohn. And then Rachel Gerson, who is daughter of Shelley and Michael Gerson. So, unfortunately, we also have sad news right, of the present right, that is going right, on. So, right. Lauren Schmalo Berg is, a, right, I, right. I believe, a, a teacher at Rockworm. And yes. she had an accident about four to six weeks ago where she fell down. Yes. And um, I believe she is now getting rehabilitation. It's a very, very sad story. She is Feeling, I understand from what I've read, it, it was also the People magazine picked up on this. She is getting some sensation in her um, arms and legs. Oh, really? Yeah. So they've come back. They're starting to come back. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. So she, um, I, you know, she broke two vertebrae. Vertebrae. Now. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, the nerves she, was she must be starting to heal. Baby, I think it was. She's I don't. I, her, she fell. I, she fell steps. down the stairs, is what I have read. I right. actually, People magazine picked up on this. Oh, so wow. we want to let people know that there is right. a GoFundMe fund right. for Laura. Schmalleberg, and we'd like to extend to our reader, our listeners, to please, Lama. yeah, to also to, uh, to uh, pray for her. Yes, and pray for her recovery. And I know that Ted will probably, you know, right. when he does uh, right. the, his uh, prayers in the morning, he'll add I her do. her name. And um, also, please consider giving to the GoFundMe to help her husband. So, how would they find that? Just go on the web. I believe you go. go, go, go 
How do you do that? You How Google you GoFundMe, and then okay. you put in her name, Laura okay. Schmalo-Berg. Okay. Um, you can also go, it's on Facebook. Okay. It's all over the place. You can probably call okay. Walk, Rockworn and get some help getting... Um, yeah, we need to help this. And, and Justin Berg, who is her husband, was the sports writer for The Israelite for several oh, years, yeah. up until a couple years that, ago. Yes. And I know him personally. And, uh, it's so just, they're just part a, of the, the Israelite family, too. And they have two babies. Too. I yes. mean, uh, the, the, one cho- the one daughter, I think, is a couple years old. And then and they then just the had another like baby, three months. Wow. three months old. And this happened. And she's, you know... It's it's just horrible, and we need to we need all of us, everyone in the community to, help to get out. together. To yes, get together we all need to pray for her recovery and pray for her her health, and to, uh, to 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 keep them in our thoughts and prayers, and to help any way you can through the gun GoFundMe. So anyway, in 10 years, there's another article about HUC and B'nai Zedek. We hope you'll take some time to read more on page 18. There's a lot more good articles on there. Of course, we love from the pages. We'd love to hear from you. And I also want to thank everyone who answers their phone when I call. And also, it's really great when they're excited and they want to talk to me and tell me. And everybody has a story, and it's, it's so wonderful to hear from it. So coming up in today in, in Israeli history, uh, it's coming up next week, November 4th, Rabin was assassinated. And November 5th, that was in 95 and 1990, Meyer Kahane was assassinated. So I know that Rabin's assassination had a big impact on you, Aubrey. Will you want to share that with us? Yeah. Um, you know, we spent all these years trying to resettle Jews to go to Israel and to have peace. And the Rabin assassination was a watershed in Jewish history. Um, it really was the first time in modern history a Jew shot a Jew. Right. And with all the conflict and all that going on, for that to have happened, it really changed the whole nature of the politics of Israel, how Jews relate to each other. Um, It's almost analogous to what we're seeing right now in our own backyard with the hate that goes on between the left and the right right on a daily basis. Right. But more important than that, at that particular moment, we had settled every Jew under duress in the world. Hmm. By that point, there was no more Jews under duress, official duress, anywhere in the world. We had liberated the Russians. We got the Arab Jews out. Everybody who needed to settle in Israel got settled. Hmm. And uh, those two things at the same time was a watershed in terms of the nature of the, the journey, which had been on a growth potential right. to get to a new level. And it pretty well stopped because Jew killing Jew, all Jews are now out of harm's way in right. terms of official government. Yeah. It changed the whole dynamic of how the Jewish world operated from that point forward. And it has taken a long time for it to re reorganize uh, itself. And then because of this, you decided to... Uh, look, I was very lucky. I mean, I participated in a 30-year bull run of the Jewish world. You had one of the highest campaigns ever, ever, right, or right, the highest right. campaign yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. You've done a lot for our, you did a lot during <laughs> right. those years for Still our community. Yeah, right. The money, the money was just a marker of what we were doing on community building. But in, I'm going back to the 1970s. I mean, when we, you know, we we had we sent kids, we sent kids to Israel now that we don't even think about it. I will tell you, in the St. Louis Jewish Reform community, we couldn't get parents to let kids go to Israel in the early 70s. They thought it was too dangerous. We had to give out loans to the kids directly to bypass their parents to get the kids to go to Israel. I mean, think about that. Mm-hmm. And today, 
They all want to we're go. Going to, Every, we're going yeah. to. We're subsidizing two and three times right. through the foundation right. generation. Right. So yeah, th- things really change over time. But from that point, that uh, I was there in '73 with uh, the Yom Kippur War, and I'll never forget the JCC in St. Louis. I mean, people came in with their deeds of their property, bringing in money. I mean, it was like amazing. They, they raised a lot of money huh. that, that week uh, the, of the Yom Kippur War. Right. Right. I mean, from that point to where we are today. Uh, where all these Arab nations are making peace. I mean, if you think about it, uh, we've we've come a long way, baby. Yeah. But 1995 was a major marker in terms of the change of the dynamic of the Jewish world. Okay. And Rabin's assassination was really the the kicker. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. And that really impacted me. That really hit, yeah. Yeah, big time. Okay. It probably helped you in your fundraising, too, because you became even, you just really internalized that whole change and decided to, probably gave you some, you know, acceleration in your ability Um, to to express how you feel about that. Yeah, but but I'll tell you what it did. It it, it took the air out of the sales. Oh, okay. That's what it did. It took the air out of the sales. Because we had been on this, all the things that you you, you see that we achieved uh, with a lot of good friends was during a period of that growth. And as soon as that wall got hit with the assassination and all the, you know, what was the cause left after all the Jews were settled? Now, fast forward, we're dealing with terrorism issues, we're dealing right. with anti-Semitic issues and all right. that type of stuff. The world has changed in terms of what we deal with in terms of issues. But I was very fortunate to be part of a growth process uh, worldwide with the diaspora. And uh, I'll, never, I'll never look back negatively on it. It was wonderful. It was just okay. a great run. But guess what? All good things come to an end, and we need to let the next generation take over instead of having old guys like you and me, Ted. Oh, uh, don't, now don't, no, don't put You're me right in behind that. me, don't Ted. Put You're me right in. behind no, me. No, I'm not that old. I'm only 62. That's what I'm saying. The next generation, <laughs> the next generation has to take over. And we need, it's our responsibility to make right. sure that this next generation is stepping up and, right. and giving them the opportunity to do that right. and not having 80-year-old uh, presidential nominees trying to run the country. I mean, it's an embarrassment. We're not going to discuss politics. That's not, I'm using that as a template. <laughs> it was a template. That's all it was. Okay, so we want to move on to obituaries. I'm skipping that, uh, that one story. Okay. Uh, so uh, Michael Swillinger died. He was 65. Very young. Very young. And Lilo, Lilo? Sachs. Lilo Sachs uh, was 99, which is, that's a good long life. Uh, Herb Harvey Krauss, doctor, uh, a dentist, uh, Herb, Herbert Harvey Krauss, passed away at 94. Uh, Sonia Oppenheimer was 88. Uh, Donna uh, Dansker. Da- Donna Dansker, formerly Donna Weber uh, Dansker, passed away at 86. And um, I knew her son, uh, was it Eric Dansker, from North Amdale School. Yeah. Hmm. Well, may their memories may their memory be, be a blessing. Yes, yes. So we also have journalist Aton Haber, a confidant of Yitzhak Rabin, passed away at 80 years old. And Holocaust survivor Richard Shifter dies at 97. He was a diplomat and a presidential advisor. So we're moving on to our um, joke of the week. And we would had one joke, but I switched it because I want to use this joke. And this has been provided by... Um, Hebrew coffee that was uh, delivered through my wife, uh, Stephanie uh, Suzanne Deutsch. And uh, so we want to give credit to Hebrew coffee. Um, So here's the joke. 
After his bar mitzvah, Moishi decided that he wanted to become a rabbi. His father suggested that he visit their own rabbi to find out what the job entails. The rabbi was, of course, thrilled when the young man came to see him. New? Ask me any question about the rabbi and I'll give you a straight answer. Well, rabbi, aside from your 15-minute sermon on Shabbos, what do you do, what do, you do anything else all week? <laughs> Moishi, the rabbi, sighed. With a question like that, better it be might for you to become a synagogue president. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) But we do, all the rabbis are very hardworking rabbis. We don't want to make fun of them. They're all very hardworking. Right, you just uh, don't see some of the stuff they do. And so then, you know, you're not at every shiva, you're not at every bar mitzvah, every call they get from a congregate, every board meeting they have to go to. Yes. But, and same thing for our Jewish communal workers. Um, Yes. You know, there's all sorts of behind-the-scene works. There's, it, you take it home with you. It's a 24-hour-a-day job. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all that you did. And your wife yeah, also... He still our, does. He right. still does. And also Arlene, she right. was also involved. From well, men- she's your yoga buddy. Right. I do, I do <laughs> yoga. I, I met Arlene during yoga before COVID. And now we meet occasionally on Friday outside of the park. And we also are on Zoom. Uh, I I love her. She's great. We have a good time talking. And she was, uh, a, you know, CEO of Family Services Cincinnati as well. And the two of you are also involved in a lot of volunteer things. And of course, there's hockey. And you were with a co- uh, coach of the JV hockey team. And Roller, yeah. yeah, and your golf. They love the Jews. The Jesuits love the Jews. Yeah, they do. Actually, uh, uh, there was a Jewish uh, baseball coach at uh, Bowler for years. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. They, there's a real correlation there. The, okay. the Jesuits okay. actually have a podcast like called like. Juicy Jesuit, Jesuit Juicy. It's a really good podcast. I heard it one day. I uh-huh. went and listened. So it's a uh-huh. it's a cute little podcast too. Um, yeah, and uh, we we are so happy. Thank to you for coming, coming on the show. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, come back, come back. Thank you. Yeah, come I'd back. Love to. Please it was a lot come of fun. back. We want to yeah. thank you, very and good, good, uh, and we want to thank Mark's Bagels again. We yes. had another delicious lunch. Yes, we did. And uh, Egg we salad with two ranches. Yeah, <laughs> and I walk in now and I say, "This is Ted Deutsch's order." Big Ted. This isn't me. I, I just because I'm complaining <laughs> and I'm making sure it's perfect. It has Big nothing Ted. to do with me. It's all Ted. <laughs> so all Ted. I used to go to this restaurant that would go nameless, but when I would walk in, they would go, well, "Do you want the Big Ted salad?" And I would go, "Yes." Prepare the Big Ted salad, and they would. <laughs> salad is like his like his big dome of salad. Yeah. <laughs> that would eat. But yeah. we want to thank Aubrey for coming on. I well, want to thank, thank my co-host Julie. Um, it's been a wonderful day, and uh, we're wrapping it up. So uh, the Have views a good week. Exp- right, we wanted the views expressed are just those of the uh, the, the, the the guests or us, and uh, so they don't reflect those of the American Israelite or the. Let There Be Light podcast. So yes. have a, everybody have a great week. Have a great week. Thank you to Melissa for putting this together for us. Shavua Tov. Shavua Tov. Thank you.